So today we are uh, got to part number six of our Dream Killer series, and this has been a series um, all about God has a plan for your life, and you don't want to miss it. Um, and that's been the theme. Um, what we've talked about for the last several weeks. Um, And we've been going through the life of Joseph and how God gave Joseph a dream. And there was all these things that came in his life that tried to kill his dream. And so we've seen things like discouragement that comes, temptation that comes. We've seen uh, how disappointment comes and tries to uh, destroy our dream. And just different things that come and try to kill our dream and that we need to keep going to make sure that our dream will come to fruition. Well, today uh, we're looking at the fifth dream killer. And, uh, and, and I'm sure many of you have heard this expression. And some of you have even maybe have used this expression. But the expression is this. The grass is greener on the other side. How many of you have ever actually thought that or maybe used that expression? Some of you here this morning. Well... Often in life, if we look at other people and we look at the lives they are living, we sometimes think that their lives are better than our lives and their lives are happier than our lives. When I was a middle schooler, I went to school and you'll laugh at this, but uh, probably some of you like even know, like I kind of walk funny. I have this funny walk um, and the reason I have this funny walk is because, like, I had weird feet when I was a kid. And so my mom had to get me special shoes, right? You cool people laughing, you know? So I had to get these special shoes that I couldn't just get any normal shoes. And so the only place that would actually make these shoes was uh, a shoe store called Clark's. And so Clark's would, would be able to fit my, sh- my feet and make these special shoes that I had to wear. Well, I would go to school and I would hate these special shoes. And all my other friends, they had these other shoes from a store called Freedom Hardy Willis. It was this store in the UK that no longer exists. And I would look at everybody else's shoes and I would go home and I'd be like, Mom, I want some shoes from Freedom Hardly Willis. And my mom would be like, no, you don't want those shoes. They're cheap and they're nasty. You have good Clark shoes. And I hated my shoes because they didn't look cool or anything. But my mom would never get me these shoes. She was like, by the way, you have to get special shoes anyway. I was like, thanks for reminding me, Mom. So I would go through my school year and I'd watch everybody with these shoes. And I'd be like, man, I wish I could get those shoes. It's like if I got those shoes, my life at middle school would be so much happier. I'm like, I would enjoy going to school, I would tell my mom, if I got those shoes, but my mom still never got me the freedom hardly wear the shoes. And what I discovered after a couple of months of school, the Freedom Hardy Widow shoes would like be nasty and they, people would be on their second and third pair and my special May Clark shoes would still be going. And the reason is because they were cheap, nasty shoes. And it's just that everybody got them. So I thought, well, I want to be like everybody else because that's what middle schoolers think, that they want to be like everybody else. They want to be cool with their cheap, nasty shoes. And it reminds me of, of, of sometimes how we are in life because we look at people's lives 
And we sometimes think their life is better than my life. What they have is better than what I have. And it seems like everybody else is fulfilling their dream in life and doing the things that they want to do except for us. And sometimes we look at other people, we're like, why are they doing the things that I want to do and why am I not being able to do it myself? Well, if you are human, and I think you are human this morning, I'm not so sure about the middle schoolers. I'm not sure if they're very human. But if you are human, which I presume that you are, then there is this natural instinct within you to compare yourself with other people. But what I've discovered is that comparison is the killer of dreams. It causes you to look at everybody else's dream and then you start to desire their dream instead of keeping your eyes on your own dream. And soon enough, if you start looking at other people's dream, you will start to chase after their dream instead of your own dream. If you're married this morning, you know the danger of starting to look at other people who aren't your spouse. Because if you look long enough, eventually, no matter how quirky or strange they are, if you look long enough, suddenly you may start to find them attractive. And that's a real dangerous place to be. And the same goes for your dream that God has placed within your heart. If you start looking at other people's dream, you'll start to follow after their dream and find their dream more attractive than yours. For staring eyes have a habit of killing your dream. Now this guy Joseph, who we've been looking through for the last several weeks, we know he had a dream. God gave him a dream. And Joseph is at the point of his life where he is sitting in a prison cell and he starts to see that everybody else is moving on in their lives and starts to fulfill the dreams that God has for their lives. And it could almost seem like Joseph is sitting in his prison cell and his life is wasting away with no chance of an appeal to get out and no chance of parole. And one of the most despondent places to find yourself in in life is to watch God bless other people while it feels like you've been left behind. How many of you ever felt like that? That God is blessing everybody else. You're like, hey God, what about me? You've left me behind. Why is this person getting blessed? Why is that person getting blessed? What about me? And one of the most despondent places in life is to find God blessing everybody else except for you. And this could be for you in a place of relationship. Maybe you've seen all your friends find the person of their dreams and they've got married and you've been left behind and you think, well, will I ever find the person of my dreams. Maybe it could be in your career where you had so many dreams that you would do this and you would do this and you would see you saw everybody else, maybe family members and friends and people you went to school with and now they are this high on the career ladder and you are just still stuck down here. 
Maybe it's becoming parents and you wanted to become a parent and you watched all your friends and all the people around you have baby after baby and you still have not been able to become a parent. Maybe it's the ability to, to, to buy a house and maybe, I don't know, you're in your 20s or your early 30s and, and, and you're looking at all your friends and all the other people and they're all going on and they're buying a new house and they're living this comfortable life. You'll think, I'll never be able to be at that place where they're at. One of the most despondent places you can find yourself in in life is watching God bless everybody else. Well, it feels like he's left you behind. But for Joseph, there was a reason why Joseph had to stay in prison. Because the time for Joseph's dream to be fulfilled was not right yet. Joseph's time had not come. And if you feel like the grass is greener on the other side and that everyone else is moving on in their lives except for you, then maybe the reason is, is because the time for your dream is not yet. The time for your dream to be fulfilled is not yet. One of the things that uh, when I started going to the doctors by myself, I started noticing that These doctors are like one big scam. They'll give you an appointment time, say 9 o'clock in the morning, and by 9.45 the doctor finally sees you. And I'm thinking, why do the doctors always give these appointment times when they know they're not going to see you for 30, 40 minutes later? And I would go find different doctors and different ones, and it would always be the same. And I feel like God is like one of those doctors at times, you know? Like, he tells you, okay, this is coming, this is happening, this is what I've got for your life. Now sit there and wait while I, before I call your name. And you could be waiting there for ever and a day. And this is what happened to Joseph. Many historians say that Joseph was in that prison for nearly seven years. Seven years in prison. Can you believe that? For something that he didn't even do, that it was just all hearsay. Other historians say that when Joseph received his dream from God, he was probably about 17 years old. But when he started to fulfill that dream, he was probably into his mid-30s by then. That's a long time for a dream to be sitting in your heart. And so the question begs is this. While I'm in the waiting room and everybody else is being seen except for me, then how do I keep the eyes of comparison from getting to my dream and killing my dream? For the fifth dream killer is this, the eyes of comparison. How do you stop the eyes of comparison from destroying and killing your dream? Well, I've got three things I want to share with you this morning. And they're three truths that I believe that really if you take hold in your life, that God can do something with that. And it can hold you until the point where God starts to fulfill your dream. And so the first thing is this I want to share with you this morning. There will be some people who will help you. Some will burn you and some will surprise you. There'll be some people who will help you. There'll be some who will burn you. And some will surprise you. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 40. And we're going to look at mainly Genesis chapter 41 this morning. But we're going to start reading in Genesis chapter 40. And we're going to start reading it uh, in verse 23. And then we're going to go into chapter 41. It says this. It says, 
Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Last week we discovered that, that uh, Joseph helped fulfill a dream of the chief cupbearer. The chief cupbearer was in prison with Joseph. He had a dream. Joseph helped interpret that dream. Joseph saw that dream be fulfilled. And Joseph said this to the cupbearer. He says, when you're back in the presence of Pharaoh, do not forget me. So now we see here that the cupbearer forgets all about Joseph. Then in chapter 41, verse 1, it says, two full years later, two years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In this dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile. These were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy, fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. But he fell asleep again. And he had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was a dream. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. So he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told him uh, his dreams, not one of them can tell him what they meant. Finally, the king's chief cupbearer. Two years later, after Joseph said to him, remember me. Finally, the chief, chief, uh, chief cupbearer spoke up. Today, I have been reminded of my failure, he said. Some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me and imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in prison who was, who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he told us what each of these dreams meant. And everything happened just as he had predicted, and I was restored to my position as chief cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. So what we find here, we find that Pharaoh has had a dream, and now suddenly the chief cupbearer is like, hold on, there was this young guy in prison I was with, he can interpret dreams. You know, last week we said that real dreamers help others fulfill their dreams. They aren't selfish, but they are always ready to help others. And the result of helping other people will often cause you to have open doors in your life. You'll scratch their back, and they'll come back and scratch your back. You know, we, we have this in the business world. People like to network in the business world. They're like, okay, I'll give you this if you give me that. 
And, and, and that will happen in life for you. You'll help different people and they will come back and they will help you. And we love those people who return a favor. You know, we love those kind of people. But not everybody's like that. There'll be some people in your life you will help. You will go to the ends of the earth for you. And you know what they'll do? They'll burn you. They'll come back and burn you. I've experienced it in my own life. And it's tough when people burn you. You know, they take you, uh, they take what you've done for them and they just move on. They say, thank you very much. And they forget all about you. There's people in your life that they'll just use you and they'll abuse you. And they'll just take whatever they can and they won't care about, about your feelings or your hurts. And they'll just move on. They will burn you. And these are the hardest people in life to come across. People who will burn you. Phil, they'll stretch your character. And sometimes you can become very bitter towards these people. Other times you can not help somebody else because someone else has burnt you. You know, if you, if you help one person with something and they burn you and then another person comes along and helps you for exactly the same thing or asks you for help for the exact, exactly same thing, you'll probably say, thanks, but no thanks. I've been burnt before. This happened to Jesus. One day Jesus came across ten lepers. And Jesus, being Jesus, reached out and he healed these lepers. He told them to go and wash in this dirty place. And they went and washed and they got healed of leprosy. And the Bible tells us that out of the ten, only one came back and said to Jesus, thank you. He got burnt. But you know what? Jesus didn't stop healing people. Jesus went on and continued to heal people. And so often in our lives, we can get burnt and it can stop us from moving forward. But I tell you this morning, if someone has burnt you, forget it and move on. Forget it and move on. You know, there'll be other people in your life who will surprise you. When you've given up on them or you you thought they had burnt you, they'll turn around and they'll be the reason That God starts to elevate you and starts to fulfill the dream that he has for your life. And this is what happened with Joseph. Joseph thought the cupbearer had burnt him. He thought that the cupbearer had forgotten all about him. Yet, it was the cupbearer that turned around and was the result. And he he was the reason why Joseph's dream started to get fulfilled. You know, I don't believe that God brings people into your life down to chance. I believe in something that I call divine encounters. I believe that God brings people into your life each and every day so that you can have this encounter with that person because God wants to use you to either bless that person or help that person. I think God has a reason why you cross paths with people. And sometimes it may be to help you. But other times, God may be using you to help them. Don't become bitter towards those who don't return a favor towards you. Maybe that favor took them to new heights and they have not returned it. Don't become bitter towards them. Instead, be thankful that God used you to help them. The 7 billion people who live on this planet, God could have used any of those people. But instead, God chose to use you to help them. 
There will be those who will help you. There will be those who will burn you. And there will be those in life who will surprise you. Regardless, for that moment, it may just be more about them than it is about you. And we have to be okay with that. Not everything's about us. Unfortunately, we like it to be about us, but not everything is about us. The second thing we see from this story is this. Your dream has not been fulfilled yet, for the time isn't right. Your dream has not been fulfilled yet, for the time isn't right. Look at this. This is what, as the story continues, Genesis chapter 41 and starting at verse 14, it says, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once after the cupbearer told him. He says, and he was quickly brought from the prison and he shaved and changed his clothes. He went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means. But I've heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So, jo- so Pharaoh told jo- Joseph the dream about the fat cows and then the scrawny cows eating the fat cows and then the fat head of grain and then the scrawny head of grain eating the fat head of grain. And then after he told him this, it says this, Joseph responded, this is in verse 25 of Genesis 41. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance about what he should do. That's the key there, what Joseph said. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is to do. So we see here that Joseph, for maybe seven years, has been sitting in a prison cell. And immediately, when the time is right, he is now before Pharaoh in the palace. For those of you who have been in church for a long time, you know that Christians sometimes have cliches that they say. Things that you hear all the time. And one of them that I've heard for many years and growing up I heard was this. God is never too early. He is never too late. He is always on time. How many of you here are always on time? Not many of you. God is never too early, never too late. He is always on time. And really, it's a bit of a Christian cliche that people say, but it's the truth. For God's timing is perfect. And at times, you'll be sitting in the waiting room of God's surgery, and you'll be waiting there thinking, God, when are you going to do what you've said that you are going to do? And it's at that time that the eyes of comparison will try to tell you a lie. And they'll try to tell your brain, God has forgotten you. They'll tell you, God cares more about others than he does about you. And it's a lie, because the truth is this. That God's timing is perfect. It's not just good. It's not great. God's timing is perfect. And sometimes it is difficult to understand God's timing. For God had a plan for Joseph. But Joseph had to sit in the waiting room of God's plan until the timing was right. Look at the things that, God, that Joseph had to wait for. 
So he's in the prison with the cupbearer. The cupbearer has, has lost the trust of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says to the cupbearer, okay, now I'm going to restore you to your position. Do you think if the cupbearer come out and says, hey, while you're doing me a favor, there's this other guy. Hey, can you do him a favor as well? Do you think that Pharaoh would have been saying, sure, yeah, I'll do that for you. No, the cupbearer totally lost the trust of Pharaoh. And it took two years for the cupbearer to gain that trust back. And while that trust was being gained back, Joseph had to sit in God's waiting room. Then God had a plan for the the nation of Egypt. And that was that a famine was going to come. God had appointed a time that a famine was going to come to Egypt. But yet Joseph had to wait in God's waiting room for the famine to come. Imagine if the cupbearer six months before said, Hey, Pharaoh, there's this guy who can interpret dreams. You want to meet him? Pharaoh would have been like, why do I need a guy who can interpret dreams? But Joseph had to wait for Pharaoh to actually have a dream that he could not understand. So Joseph was sitting there and Joseph was ready to to fulfill the plan that God had for him. But the circumstances around, they were not ready for God was still working behind the scenes. If you've ever been to a doctor's surgery or a doctor's office, you'll be in there and maybe the nurse will come in and she'll maybe take your blood pressure. And if it's like me, she'll take it like four times and like, is this really right? And maybe they'll do some other tests on you and then they'll go and then they'll confer with the doctor and you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe you've had some blood work done. Now that blood has to go to a lab. And now that lab has to study the blood work. You don't get it immediately. And this is what happens with God. God may give you a dream. He may give you a plan. He may give you a promise. But it doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately. Because there's some things that have to happen behind the scenes. Before you can see it come to fruition. I've always said this about Generation Church. In our early days when we just started and there was like eight of us. I always says that God is not going to multiply this church until we are ready to be able to help disciple people. I said God is not going to bring multitudes in until we are at a place where we know how to disciple people. Because God's not going to bring people in so they can fail. He wants to bring people in, but we've got to be ready. And God has to work on us before we are ready. And maybe that you're at this point in your life where you are ready, but people around you aren't. Maybe you're ready to meet the man of your dreams. But maybe that man right now is a jerk. And God has to turn him from a jerk to a joy. You don't want to marry a jerk. You want to marry a guy who's a joy. And guys aren't joys all the time, I just tell you. You know, when I first met my wife, Raquel, I was 21 years old. And she was 25. Yeah, she's like a cougar, you know. And uh, I was 21, she was 25. She was probably in a place where she was ready to get married. Well, maybe not. She still had a few years left. 
And I thought that I was a man, 21 years old. I'm a man, you know. I just graduated from college. I thought, that's it. I'm ready to take on the world. But the reality was, I was an immature 21-year-old, and I was really a boy. And my wife, Raquel, needed a man. And a boy could not meet the needs of a woman. A man needed to meet the needs of a woman. So we had to wait five years for the immaturity to get out of Alex. So that Alex finally became somewhat of a man. And maybe in your life, you're ready right now. But maybe there's people who God is going to use and they're not ready. The cupbearer wasn't ready. Pharaoh wasn't ready. The time was not ready. And maybe God has not fulfilled your dream yet because the timing is not right yet. The last thing I want to say to you this morning is this. God's dream is so much bigger, greater, and wider than your dream. God's dream is so much bigger, greater, and wider than your dream. Now imagine Joseph. Joseph is sitting in this prison cell, maybe for seven years. And he's had this dream from God. And the dream was this, that his father and his brothers bowed down to him. Now imagine Joseph. Joseph is thinking, okay, this is the dream. So maybe I'm going to rule my family one day. That's what he's probably thinking. Maybe as he's sitting in the prison cell, he's thinking, God, if you just let me become a servant once again. I'll be happy. Maybe he's thinking, God, just let me go back and just be one of the sons, um, one of my father's sons again, and I will be happy. But this is what happened. Genesis 41, we'll start reading at verse 26. It says, so jo- uh, Pharaoh told Joseph the dream. In verse 26, Joseph says, the seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin, scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. So now he's interpreted the dream. He says there's going to be seven good years. There's going to be seven really bad years. Verse 28 says, Joseph says, this will happen just as I described it. For God has revealed to Joseph in advance what he is about to to do. The next seven years will be a great period of prosperity throughout the whole land of Egypt. But afterwards, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for the two similar dreams, it just means that, God, that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. And verse 33 says, Therefore, Pharaoh, Joseph said, uh, Pharaoh should, should find an intelligent and wise man to put in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the good years have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just uh, ahead and bring it into Pharaoh's storehouses, store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities and that there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. And just, just by the way, 
that's just good financial advice right there. You know, we're not talking about finances, but for you guys, especially some of you younger ones, don't spend it all at once. Put stuff away because there will be lean years in your life. Verse 37 says, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You are to be in charge of my court and my people and will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne have a higher rank than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second command. And wherever Joseph went, the command shouted, kneel down. Remember Joseph's dream? He saw his brothers and his father kneel down before him. Now Joseph is saying to the whole of Egypt, when you see Joseph, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, um, Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Wow. Think, Joseph's thinking, man, I may be just head of my family when he first got his dream, but you know what God's thinking? No, I want you to rule Egypt. I mean, can you imagine? Joseph would have never, ever had dreamed this dream. Maybe Joseph was thinking when he was sitting in prison, he was like, well, maybe I could become a cupbearer. He's like, I think I can do a better job than that loser who forgot all about me. Maybe he's thinking, well, if I get out of here, then maybe I might just have a nice little home. I'll find a nice little wife, have a couple of kids, maybe have a day job, you know, maybe go to church and have a nice time. You know what? He's probably thinking that because his dreams are on this level, but God's dreams are on this level. We have limited sight. God has perfect sight. And the eyes of comparison will try to make you focus on a smaller dream. They'll try to make you focus on what you can just get by. Maybe if you just got that pay rise or that new job, maybe you might be satisfied, you may think. Maybe if you just got a nicer house, then you would be happy. Maybe if your kids just behaved like other people's kids, then that's all that you want for this life. Maybe if your husband was a little bit more, more romantic, I think my marriage would be perfect. And maybe you think if my wife just nagged a little less, things would be wonderful. Some of you, your dreams once were to feed the hungry. And now you'd just be happy if you could get out of debt and feed your own family. 
See, while you're in God's waiting room, the eyes of comparison will try to cause your dreams to disintegrate into thoughts of just making your life a little easier and somewhat successful. The one who once dreamed of changing the world now just wants to change their family. However, God's dream is so much bigger, greater, and wider than what you could ever imagine. Joseph would have never dreamed of ruling Egypt. Joseph would have never dreamed that one day nations would come and bow down before him. He had no idea that God literally wanted him to save the world. And if God has revealed his plan to you, it's so much bigger and greater and wider than what you could ever imagine. But you know what? If God revealed his whole plan to you right now, you probably wouldn't believe it. If God gave you his whole timeline, if he said to you, hey, you're going to spend seven years in prison, but after that, you're going to become the ruler of Egypt, then you probably wouldn't be able to build the faith that you need, that God requires once you start to fulfill your dream. You wouldn't have the chance for your faith to grow. So while you're in this place right now, and you may be in the waiting room of God's surgery, you may be right there thinking, God, when is it ever going to happen? If you are there, then this is what you need to do. Stop comparing yourself with others. Their dream is very different to your dream. The eyes of, the, of comparison will try to make you keep up with the Joneses. But God's taking you to the past. He's taking you to mix with royalty. Who cares if they get a brand new vehicle and yours is five years old? Who cares? Because the place that God is taking you is so much greater, wider, and bigger than what you could ever imagine. If there's people in your life who have burned you, move on. Don't become bitter towards them. For bitterness, and we'll discuss next week, bitterness has a habit of killing your dream. You have no idea how God is working behind the scenes, orchestrating things until the timing is right. And when God is ready and all the parts are in place, sit back and watch how God will use you more than you've ever dreamed in your life. But remember this, that God's dream ultimately is about saving people. It's about extending his kingdom. His dream ultimately isn't about you. But you've been privileged to the fact that God has chosen you for his plan for your life. He's chosen you so that you would fulfill what God wants in your life for his purposes. And so as we close today, remember this. God has a plan for your life. And don't let the lie that the grass is greener on the other side cause you to miss it. For the place that God has taken you is not the prison, but it's the palace. Let's bow our heads in prayer.